This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. So good to see all of you this evening. God bless you so much for coming and being here tonight. Uh, I tell you what, praise God, the entrance of His Word gives light and illumination. And so my hope is, is that while we're here this evening, that uh, you can just shut the rest of the world out, put a mute on your phone, forget about everything else, and let's just zero in on what it is that heaven has to say to us. How many of you know that the Bible is God speaking to you? You know, sometimes, you know, we hear it said, you know, people, well, I wish God would just speak to me. Well, (laughs) open up the Bible, praise God. It is God speaking to each and every one of us. And, you know, that seems somewhat, I guess, maybe for some impersonal. But the reality is, he, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And so it's God's living word that we have to get a hold of and understand that that's the avenue or the vehicle through which he speaks to us. And so, again, you know, talking about the will of God, many times, you know, people, uh, it's kind of an, an exaggerated form of sovereignty where people will say, well, you know, God's sovereign, so you just, he's all-knowing and we can't possibly know everything that he knows. Well, that, that, that's true, I'll go with that. But thank God he's given us his last will and testament, huh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the will of God. If we can find it in here, praise God, we can stand on it. We can walk in the light of it. We can do it, praise God. And he'll empower us to be able to enjoy whatever it is that heaven has to afford. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Hallelujah. Now, you know, we have an adversary, the devil, as Peter made reference to, that walks about seeking whom he may devour. And the Bible says that you and I are to resist him whom resists steadfast in the faith. That's, you know, because the devil, again, he's a liar. There is no truth in him. He, the Jesus said he's the father of lies. So he's going to lie to people. You can't do this. You can't have that. That'll never happen. You know, God could never do that. You know, all of these different kinds of things. Well, uh, the weaponry that we use is the word of God. Hallelujah. Having your loins girt about with, what's that word say? Truth. All right, And then that way, praise God, when he comes to tell us things that are untrue, then we can do like Jesus did and say, no, it's written, hallelujah, and you're a liar, get behind me, Satan. But you do have to resist. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, Christians aren't aware of the fact that we are engaged in a battle. You know, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Uh, The Apostle Paul said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So wrestling, warfare, fight the good fight of faith, these are indicative of the simple fact that, yeah, there's a battle, but thank God we win. Jesus went to a cross, died for the sins of the world, and rose victorious. Hallelujah. We'll talk about that a little bit more this evening as we go along. But, uh, you know, there's, 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 there's no defeat in him. But... The way that you and I appropriate these things in our lives is through faith. Now, when I say that, uh, I suppose that, you know, that could be interpreted or taken a lot of different ways. But the reality is, is that faith is nothing more than acting on the Word of God, acting as though it's true. Hallelujah. So, you know, if the Bible tells me that I'm to love my neighbor, then praise God, I can love my neighbor. I may not feel like it, but I can, I can love my neighbor. Why? Because he said I could. 
Amen. If you, if you allow the dictates of your feelings to control you, uh, <laughs> well, as they say in the world, I guess you're just going to be a hot mess. That's all I can tell you. But thank God you don't have to be that, right? You can be a happy one. Amen. And um, so everybody say it together. Thank God for his word. Yeah, thank God for his word. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians this, uh, this evening. Uh, chapter 1, if you can find that opening in your Bible. Ephesians, the first chapter. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be using this as our text tonight. I want to talk to you again this evening about the, the believer's authority, spiritual authority. We talked a little bit about this last week. I want to jump into it again this evening. It's, it's actually probably inexhaustible as a subject to talk about. And the reason that I say that is, is that there's so many different facets to it, but that's the whole beauty of the washing of the water of the Word of God. We hear a little, there a little, you know, we build upon the foundation that we've already established. It helps us to grow and develop into a spiritual edifice, as it were, so that, praise God, we can do what we talked about earlier, and that is successfully wage a good warfare in life, praise God, and enjoy the blessings of God. Aren't you glad to be saved tonight? Huh? To know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, praise God. Not only that, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, when the spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you into all the truth. Hallelujah. And I thank God for that, praise God. You know, there's an intuition an inspiration of the Almighty that, that rests within the heart of believers. It's intended to guide us if we would just listen. And praise God, He'll do just that. Hallelujah. So we just have to learn the way of the Spirit of God and do what it is that He tells us to do, and blessing can rest on our lives. Amen. You know, when you were born again, you became an authorized agent. Did you know that? You know, there's a lot of things that happen when you got saved that you didn't know about. Are you with me? One of which is, is that you become a lifelong learner, or at least you better become one. Are you listening to me? Because there's a lot of things that we don't know. There's some things we need to unlearn. Sometimes religious things, you know, get on the inside of us, and we got to, you know, dig all of that out and get it out by the roots and start all over again. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But we have and were, I should say, when we were born again, we became authorized agents of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, all authority is given to me both in heaven and in earth. Now you go in my name and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, praise God, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The commission of the church is to go into all the world and make disciples. And so you and I are the ones that are in the earth. Are you listening to me? We are the body of Christ and members in particular. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So he's the head, and we are those members that are in the earth, and we have the privilege. Everybody say privilege. You and I have the privilege of being the carriers of Christ's life to the world that is around us. So we, again, are these authorized or registered agents to go and do kingdom business. The Bible tells us that you and I, when we got saved, were delivered from the power or the authority of darkness, and we were translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Aren't you happy for that? Think about that verse of Scripture with me one more time. Think about what it is that I'm saying. It, the Scripture in, in Colossians 1 and 13 says, you were delivered, not going to be, but when you gave your heart to Christ, you were at that moment delivered from the authority 
or power of darkness, and you were then translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. You became one of his, hallelujah, purchased with his blood. But most Christians are unaware of the authority that's been given to them, and they live without victory. And it's, an, it's so sad. It's so unfortunate. You know, I mean, praise God, what Jesus came to give us, he came to give to all. And yet so many times people, again, live without it. You know, they love Jesus. People, I mean, you know, a lot of Christians, they love Jesus, but, but they live whipped and defeated lives. A lot of times because of not knowing the truth or not having at their disposal the, the things that they need in order to wage a successful kind of, well, I thought this and I, I thought that, you know, and, and I was under the impression and so on and so forth. Well, thank God again, that's the reason why God gave us his living word so that we can know the truth and the truth will set us what? Make us free. Again, no longer under bondage, no longer whipped, no, no longer discouraged, no longer defeated. But again, this happens so often because people not knowing or realizing what belongs to them. That's why we're here tonight. We're going to discover some things that belong to us. Hallelujah. And then by faith in the name of Jesus, because we believe the word, we're going to begin to implement or appropriate or use, I guess I could say, those things that Christ has given to us where our lives are concerned so that, praise God, we can enjoy what it is that's been done for us. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that tonight? So, you know, again, a lot of times because of not understanding the positional uh, uh, change that has taken place, being translated or transformed or placed into the kingdom of heaven, a lot of people end up being, uh, well, suffering, hallelujah, because praise God, he did something for you and me. He shed his blood for us and he gave us his life so that we could live. Aren't you glad for that tonight? You know, so much of what Jesus said even prior to his suffering was he, he, would, he would make statements with reference to the fact, I'm doing all this because this is what's going to happen in your behalf. This is what's going to change for you. This is how your life is going to be impacted for eternity. And so on the other side of the resurrection, you're going to discover some things, praise God, including joy that no man can take from you. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Thank God for his joy and the cheer that comes from heaven. You know, thinking about people in, in being defeated or whipped or however you want to describe it, you know, the reality is, is that sin is what causes defeat in a person's life. We, 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 we see sin rampant, you know, in people's lives, different kinds. You know, sin, what is sin? Well, it's just disobedience to God, that's all. You know, when you disobey what God says, that's sin. And so we see it manifest in all these different kinds of ways. And it's interesting because the psalmist of old, I think it's, in, it's either in Psalm 73 or 78, he said, you know, I almost slipped and fell because I looked at what was going on in the world and there didn't seem to be any recompense or any, uh, you know, reward for the wicked. They just seem to keep doing what they're doing without any recourse or any kinds of problems. And, and in that uh, opening, he talks about the fact that, you know, he was taken to the house of the Lord and he, his eyes were open and he realized how foolish I am to think 
that you can do evil and there is no problems that come to your way. Because, dear friend, I don't care how you package it, what it is that people say or what it is that they do. I mean, payday is coming and it is going to be not good without the blood of Jesus. Are you listening to me? And so it's important for us to understand that sin is what causes defeat in anybody's life. It destroys people. It absolutely, you know, well, I can do this and it won't matter. I can, you know, this and it won't matter. I was thinking about, <clears throat> there's a, uh, a woman who was in uh, Hollywood and she, you know, had a particular, she's being typecast, she didn't like it, and she got out of it, and she started doing some really horrible things. And, and she celebrates it as being some kind of a wonderful thing. It's not wonderful. Her life is going to be destroyed. And hell, the Bible says that hell beneath is moved to meet those people when they come. And people don't ever think about that. They just think about the here and the now and what I want for, you know, celebrityism and, you know, all of the glory and whatever, whatever. But I'm telling you what, there's a payday coming that's not kind and it won't be good. So that's what happens is, is that sin destroys people's lives. And even, you know, sin consciousness you know, that was the one thing, before I gave my heart to Christ, my life was a mess, you know, because sin was destroying my life. But when I gave my heart to Christ, I mean, it, it was so, I, I can't even begin to describe how, how different it was. And one of the main things was, I no longer had a consciousness of sin. Sin was gone. The weight uh, or the burden, if you want to call it that, of, of, of knowing that I was out of the will of God, vanished, was gone. And there was freedom, and there was liberty. And not only that, but I didn't even want to do the things that, you know, that I had done in the past. And I knew something was up when that was, you know, happening in my life, you know. And so it's important for us to understand that sin consciousness will continue to defeat even the Christian until they realize that sin shall not have dominion over you. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Thank God we don't have to live under its tyranny. We've been delivered. Glory to God. So Christ has given us everything we need to have an abundant life in Him. You'll notice in our scripture, uh, we're not reading this particularly as text, but notice verse 3 of the first chapter there in Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. It's not going to. Well, what has he blessed us with, Paul? He has blessed us with every or all spiritual blessings, glory to God, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So again, Christ has given us everything we need to live an abundant life in Jesus' name. Yet people are trying to get what is already there. So if I can just this, what we need to realize is that something took place, Christ provided it, and it belongs to us now. Authority belongs to you now. You don't have to get it, it's yours. All we need to do is realize what it is that belongs to us, praise God. And you say, <clears throat> the reason that a lot of times people, you know, um, live in the, if I can just get it, is, is because we live so in the natural. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, the Bible will tell you, praise God, you've been delivered. And people are living in circumstances that are anything but what it, you know, looks like or feels like that they've been delivered. You understand? 
But what you've got to do as a Christian, you've got to understand and start looking at life from his perspective and not where you are. Okay? It doesn't make any difference where you are, praise God. You just keep saying, I'm coming out. Hallelujah. Because I've been delivered. Glory to God. Sin shall not have dominion over me. You know, this drug addiction shall not have dominion over me. This, you know, alcohol abuse shall not have dominion over me. I'm not bound by this. I don't have to have this. Now, your flesh will tell you you do. It's the only way you can cope. That's the lie that people have been believing for God only knows how long in order to keep them bound, to be enslaved to whatever it is. But when you realize the truth, thank God I've been delivered by the blood of Jesus and I'm no longer bound by this. Now, you're not going to be able to go by the way you feel. You're not going to be able to go by the way you look. You're going to have to believe what it is that God has said. Are you listening to me? Everybody say it together. I've been delivered. I tell you what, you've been delivered whether you realize it or not. But people, you know, they live so in the natural, our circumstance, current situations, our unrenewed mind, or what we don't know keeps us bound to our past. But thank God we don't have to live there anymore. Can you say amen? My life was a mess, but thank God I've been delivered. And now for some 40, oh my, yeah, yeah, a long time. Uh, I haven't been bound by that. Are you listening to me? Almost 50 years. Is that right? That can't be right. I don't know. That's a long time. Anyway, you know, the person that becomes thoroughly conscious of the divine authority that is behind them can face the enemy without any fear or intimidation ever again. Fear and intimidation are weapons wiles, schemes, devices that hell uses to keep people bound. Afraid about their health. Afraid about their finances. Afraid about relationships. You know how many people's lives and relationships have been destroyed because of fear? Well, I don't think they love me anymore. He doesn't love you anymore. She doesn't love you anymore. She's doing this. He's doing that. You know, all of this, you know... uh, poking around, if you want to call it that. Dude, it's from hell. I said it's from hell. And what's the intention? Divide and conquer. That's his MO. That's what he does. He tells people, he'll sow the seed. Then he'll give you a few circumstances to look at and say, see, 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 see. What they said, what's that mean? What did they mean? What did they mean by that? I think this is what they meant. You know, and all of a sudden, dude, you're chasing your tail. And it's all from hell. There's no peace in that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But I'm telling you this much about it. Again, the person who becomes thoroughly conscious, knowing about the authority or divine authority behind them in the name of Jesus, praise God, you can face any fear, any intimidation and say, no, you don't. I'm not living this way anymore. And you can be free in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? So that's now you say, here's the thing, you know, talking about the person who becomes thoroughly conscious. How does that happen? Now, I want some of that. And, and that's, that's a legitimate question, isn't it? How, how, do, how do I become thoroughly conscious of what it is that Christ has done for me as a believer? And the answer is quite simple. It's simply this. That consciousness comes through meditation of the Word. When you think about, meditate on, give yourself to the Word of God, thinking about what it is it is saying. It is, the word is a living thing. 
So if people will just take the word and meditate and think about it as a living thing, it will start to put life on the inside of you. Are you with me? It's, 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 uh, you, you don't have to try to do this. You don't have to work at it or anything of that nature. You just have to give yourself to it. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let's just use an example. Now, you understand I'm going to use an Old Testament character here. So they didn't even know anything about the redemption that you and I have in Christ Jesus. They, they weren't born again, you know, where their nature was changed. But yet there were many people that followed God, lived for God, served God, loved God. And one of them was David. But I want to ask you an important question. How does a 15 or a 17-year-old kid stand to the king of Israel and everyone else around him and the whole Philistine army and Goliath and say, let no man's heart fail him, dude. I'll go out there and do it. Where, where, where does that come from? You know, that's not normal because he stood apart from everyone else. And I'm going to give you the answer to that, what I believe to be the answer to it. is, <clears throat> and, and the thing is, David knew something nobody else did. I wish a whole lot more of us could uh, know what David knew, right? This is what it says in Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your law. How I love your word. Okay? He goes on. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies, or again, your word is my meditation. So what's this kid doing? He's out on the backside of a mountain someplace taking care of his father's sheep. And you know, he could have went down this, this path in his mind, and he could have said, it could have sounded something like this. It could have sounded like, you know... Uh, you're the last of eight. And your old man's got you out here in the middle of the stick someplace, and this is all the further you're ever going to get. You're just going to be a sheep herder, and you're just going to do this whatever, whatever, and that's all. But no, he's not. He's out there reading the Bible, and he's realizing, praise God, he, God's putting a dream in his heart, and he's realizing I'm a person of destiny, and I'm telling you, God's got big plans for me, and I'll tell you, I'll shout eyes on my side. I mean, I don't know, you know what it looked like, but you get the point, is, is that this kid was thinking about something else. So why is it that he could stand in the face of Goliath when he had threatened him and said, come and I'm going to feed you to the birds and follow the air. And he said, you're coming to me with a sword and a spear. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, whom you have defied. And I'm telling you, he's going to give me into your hands and I'm going to take your head off of you. Woo! Now that just, you know, that just doesn't happen. Does it? No. It's because this kid was out there on a rock someplace reading the Word of God, meditating on what God said, and his moment came, and everything changed. I'm telling you, God's got a plan for your life, and it's not stuck out in the middle of nowhere doing nothing and just being whatever. It's a divine destiny that's on our lives. 
And the way that we come to not only know it and to experience it, it's through the meditation of the Word of God and letting the Word of God become a living thing on the inside of us. Can you say amen? And you say, well, what's this got to do with authority? Everything. Because, you know... that's the answer. Well, how did he get victory over Goliath? I mean, you know, I guess that was just kind of a sovereign kind of thing. Dude, he had to go. He still had to go. I'll tell you again, exactly how it happened is Psalm 119. And in his moment, his hour, whatever you want to call it, and these moments, these hours, these opportunities, these defining times in our life, they come to all of us. And what we need to do is be prepared so that when God says, go for it, you can say, I'm in, instead of cutting and running. Are you listening to me? And so I encourage you, praise God, anytime and every time you have an opportunity, meditate in the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, I mean, that kid, I mean... uh, I think about it in this way, you know, he's so full of the Word of God that his reality was completely different from everybody, everyone. His brothers, you know, chastised him, chided him, you little wimp, you're out here, you know, and you brought a little bread and cheese. Who do you think you are? He said, man, I didn't mean it. I'm just asking some questions. Changed his whole, his whole life. I tell you what, same God can do it that to us. Can you say Amen. We just get in there, praise God, and say, I'm thanking you, Father, that my day is coming. Amen. 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 So now let's look at this verse of Scripture together. Uh, let's get in here to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, I want to I read uh, these two prayers that Paul prayed, and then we'll, we'll come back maybe and un- unpack them. These are spirit-inspired prayers, all right? They're in the Bible. You could actually pray these prayers for yourself, or you can even pray, pray them for others. You know, if you got somebody, a loved one, you want them to uh, get a hold of some things and they don't seem to be seeing it. But notice here uh, what it says. Um, mm, let's start with verse 15. The Apostle Paul says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith... In the Lord Jesus and your love to all the saints. Now let's stop right there and think about this with him, uh, for a moment. What is it that Paul is saying here? He said, "When I heard of your faith, well, he had come to understand that these people had been saved. Right? They've been born again." And so he said, you know, when I heard about this, this is how I began to pray for you. Because the point I want to make is, is just because you give your heart to Christ, if you don't get a hold of the truth and the word of God and revelation in your heart, you're still not going to experience what it is that Christ provided for you. So he's praying this prayer for them. And let's look at this together. Notice what it says in verse 16. I cease not to make... uh, Give thanks for you, making mention of your, you in my prayers. Now notice how he prays. First of all, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, weren't they born again? Huh? Yeah. He said, when I heard of your faith, they had to be born again. But notice he's praying that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God or in the knowledge of Christ. Notice it goes on to say, the eyes of your understanding being or having been enlightened, 
so that you can know these three things. Think about these with me real close and real carefully. He said, I'm praying this because your eyes have been enlightened that you, number one, may know, everybody say know, what is the hope of his calling. God didn't call you to be defeated. He didn't call you to go, you know, and live some kind of funky kind of life. He called you to live an abundant life. Are you listening? So that you would know the hope of his calling. You know, I mean, when I got saved, the hope of the gospel was so overwhelmingly powerful. It's like, hallelujah. I don't have to live under the tyranny of sin. I don't have to live with my nose to the grindstone. I don't have to live being defeated. I don't have to live with hell anymore. And so Paul's praying, I want you to see what is the hope of his calling. Then he goes on then to say, secondly, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And we have an inheritance. I don't have time to unpack this, but he's wanting you to see it. Amen. And then it goes on then to say in verse 19, and number three, what is the exceeding greatness of his, what's that word? power to us word who believe. And then he goes on to describe it according to the working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Notice where? Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in the one that is to come. And he's put all things under his feet. Hallelujah. And given him to be the head over all things to the church. Given him to the church. Given Jesus to the church. Hallelujah. Which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. I want you to see this picture, you guys. you got to understand that we are, you can call it a partnership, um, whatever it is that you want to, however you want to describe it, but I'm telling you, we are one with Jesus. Amen. We have become one with him through the new birth, and we become a child of God. And in this scripture, when Paul is writing this, he's saying, I, I, I want you to see this. I, I want you to get a revelation, an understanding of the position or the place that you're in, not going to be in, you're in right now. Because see, when you know you're in, I mean, when you see it, the battle's over. It's done. And, and, and that's the thing that meditation will do is it's, just, it's like, boom, this aha kind of moment where you go, ho, you know, and that's when hell loses his grip over you. Are you with me? So this is the way that he's praying. And then he describes it in these, in these uh, terms. But I want you to go back to this 19th verse with me and notice what it says. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to or toward us who believe. The word power there. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? Now, the Greek language can be a lot more specific or detailed in definition as to what certain words mean. Uh, for example, you know, Jesus made the statement in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread among serpents and scorpions, and nothing shall, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Well, it uses, King James uses the word power twice, 
but it's actually two different words in the Greek language. And so really it says, behold, I give to you authority to tread upon serpent scorpions and over all the power or the ability of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So it's a, it's a much more detailed language in that regard. But this word, power, in verse 19, is the word uh, kratos. That's the Greek word, okay? And I probably didn't pronounce it right, but you, okay. K-R-A-T-O-S, something that we don't normally use in our language. But it means, it, it's, it's so beautiful. It means force. It means strength. It means might. It, it more especially manifested power. It also signifies dominion. So this word, kratos, you know, in this scripture, it, it, to me it's like an all-inclusive word that deals with whatever you need. If you need ability, if you need strength, if you need might, if you need authority, if you need dominion, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? And that's why you can declare with all confidence, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because of kratos. Now, if you go on by definition, it's, syn it's synonymous. And this is E.W. Vine's expository dictionary in New, New Testament words. He says it's... Uh, it's synonymous words are, and again, I, I may not get this right, bia, B-I-A, which means force, often oppressive. Uh, another one, dunamis, power, uh, especially inherent power, power within. Another one is energia, I think is the way you pronounce it. Power, especially in exercise, operative power. Another word, exousia, primarily liberty of action. Then authority, either delegated or arbitrary. And then another word that I can't even pronounce means strength, especially physical power as an endowment. How was it? that Samson stood between those two pillars and did what he did. Kratos. Are you with me? So you got everything you need. Everybody say, I got it. Praise God. Everybody say this, I have his power. You have his power. Hallelujah. Now you may not know it. You may not believe it. But I'm telling you what, you got it, baby. Hallelujah. You're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. So God wants the church to gain a revelation of what it is that's taken place through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and, and notice how it is that Paul is praying. And you can take your time. If I, I would suggest to you that in your own private time, you take these prayer, this prayer and read it. Think about it. Meditate on it. What is it that Paul's praying? Why is he praying it? So on and so forth. We should be thinking about the resurrected one and what it is he's done for us instead of all of our problems and what our circumstances around us are trying to tell us. Because your circumstances are subject to change. My wife and I, we started out with nothing. Are you listening to me? But we kind of, you know, moved up. Now, if I to believe that I will always have nothing, that I'll never amount to anything, I'll never do anything for God, well, then that's probably where I would be, but that isn't what I believed. I believe, praise God, that there was a divine plan for us as a couple and on our lives to do great things for the kingdom of God. 
I remember telling one minister one time, he looked at me like a calf in a new gate. I said, you know what, man, I am destined for greatness. And you know, that sounds kind of arrogant. But I'm telling you, in my heart, I just knew I'm destined to do something for the kingdom of heaven. Are you listening to me? And so he kind of looked at me quizzically, and it wasn't very long, and he was no longer in the ministry. And so I'm not sure how he took it. I didn't mean for it to be an arrogant statement. You know, I was just saying, man, I just, there's destiny on your life. You guys, listen to me. I don't care where you are, who you, you know, who you are, where you come from. There's, there's destiny, divine destiny on your life. And, and it's important for us to pursue that. Now let's go over to the third chapter because we're running out of time here. Turn over to the third chapter. There's another prayer here I want you to take a look at with me. Notice what it says here in verse 14. For this cause, and you can go back and study the context of it. He says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, so he's praying again for us, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I tell you what, it just blesses me reading it. Glory to God. That you may be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inward man. Thank God, you know, the Bible says from, from your innermost being flow the issues of life. This is where victory is, not up here. It's not some kind of a head game, you know, and I'm trying to get ahead and whatever. No, it's in here. Hallelujah. And you put the word of God on the inside of you, I'm telling you what, it'll make a victor out of you. Hallelujah. Not a victim, a victor. Are you with me? You'll just look at, that's why this stuff that we hear now, you know, all this victim's mentality and poor old me and I'm all this and that. Now that stuff is so much from hell. I mean, it is absolutely from hell. And all it's doing is emasculating people and making them powerless and weak. And that's not to say that people haven't been victimized. That's not my point. But when you start preaching it, and that's what they're doing, they're destroying people. Are you listening to me? You are not a victim. You're a victor because of him. And you're coming out if you'll believe what it is that he said. Are you with me? So notice here again now. Sorry. Got to preaching here. That's what the Bible will do. You read the Bible and you start preaching. You know, 16, verse 16. All right. Strengthened with might by his spirit and inner man. Now notice that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know or perceive the love of Christ that goes way beyond your brain. How, how could Stephen, while being stoned by a bunch of idiots, say, Father, forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. It's the love of God. Are you with me? So here, the, it passes knowledge. But again, verse 19, to know the love of Christ, it passes knowledge. Listen, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now notice this, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly 
above all that we ask or think. How? According to the power that works in us. Everybody say, I have his power. Say it again. Say it one more time. We have his power according to his power that works in us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And notice again it says, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus throughout ages. Uh, uh, Amen. Praise God. So this is not the gospel of defeat, boys and girls. You know, if you're in a Bible-believing, life-giving church, then they better start preaching some victory or else you might be in the wrong spot. Are you listening to me? Because it is not a gospel of defeat, but a message of total victory in Christ Jesus for the believer. Now, go back with me. Um, We've got just a few more minutes here. Go back with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 1 again. And notice with me one particular verse. We're going to look at a couple verses together here. Notice in, in Ephesians 1 and verse 20, uh, Paul is talking about this power to us where to believe. And then he says in verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and notice, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So as he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Huh? Now, notice in chapter 2, notice with me if you look in verse 5, Ephesians 2 and verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, he quickened or made us alive together with Christ by grace you're saved. Now, notice verse 6. And has raised us up together and has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, now, where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father. But the Bible says, praise God, at the time when Jesus was raised, in the mind of God, we were raised. And we were seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. So I just want to say something to you tonight that I think will probably help you, praise God, at least it's my hope. The devil doesn't want you to know the place that, he ha- that Jesus has placed you in. He doesn't want you to know the authority that belongs to you. Glory to God forevermore. And to be seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, to be seated there in that place, listen to me, you guys, it can mean no less than to share the authority that that throne represents. So the devil is under your feet. He's no match for you in any way, shape, or form. He'll make you think that, but he has no hold on you whatsoever. He's a liar. You know, people, they get all, you know, drummed up about that. Oh, the devil, the devil, the devil. And they make a, dude, he's under your feet. He's defeated. You know, some people, they talk more about the devil than they do Jesus. But I'm telling you what, when he manifests himself in our lives, he is no match in any way, shape, or form. And it can be sickness, disease, poverty, lack, deficiency, discouragement, despair, fear, intimidation, doesn't matter. Turn to Colossians real quick because now I'm starting, it's the two-minute warning drill and we're in a hurry. Hallelujah, we've got to get as many plays in as we can in the next two minutes. All right, so hustle up. All right, look at this with me. 
Verse 13. Colossians 2 and verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he again made alive together with him, having forgiven you. Woo! Glory to God. All of your trespasses. Can you say amen? Yes, he has forgiven us all of our trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which were contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing. I said triumphing over them in it. Hallelujah. And he did it for us. He did it for you. He did it for me. Glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah. And so he doesn't want you to know what belongs to you. But the key is knowing the truth and acting on it. Ah, hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Glory to God. It's knowing the truth and acting on it. So when he sticks up his ugly head, you say, no, you don't, devil. In Jesus' name. No, we are not having that in our house. Are you with me? You have authority. You know, praise God, that your house is supposed to be a castle full of love. Huh? Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. So when consternation, anxiety, worry, tension, you know, rebellion, I mean, whatever, man, dude, it comes to your house, you say, we are not having this in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand up, and I mean, men, dads, fathers, husbands, stand up in the name of Jesus and say, no, you're not, in, you're not welcome here. Because he'll, he'll do everything. I mean, he'll, he, you know, he'll dink around, you know, and mess with you. And I mean, you got to put him to flight. Huh? That's what he did to Adam and Eve. He says, God really said, you know, he's just subtle. That's the way with the devil. He just, he's looking for an inroad. So, he, you know, he kind of feeds you, spoon feeds you some kind of bunch of junk. You get to entertain it. Dude, you got to realize, no, I ain't having this. You know, uh, discouragement, despair, these types of things, disappointment, all of, all of that. You know, he, he just kind of gives you a little something, something. And you, he, what's he want you to do? Start thinking about it, meditating on it. Huh? Giving yourself to it. Pretty soon, dude, you're so far down the road. And I mean, you know, you're just wondering if you're ever going to make it the next day. Dude, you got to stop it right now in the name of Jesus. No! Hallelujah. You say, well, that seems foolish. Well, think what you want. I'm telling you what, praise God. I'd rather stay happy, full of joy, and at peace than all that other junk. But it's a battle. I mean, you know, I mean, you know. And the thing about it is, is you can take authority over him in Jesus' name. And then what's he do? He'll leave for a while and then he comes back and says, hey, uh, would you like to reconsider? And you say, no, in Jesus' name. Make him go pedaling somewhere else. Are you listening to me? And guys, you only got one minute left. Jesus said, to those disciples that believed on him, if you'll continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you will come to know the truth. And the truth will make you what? It'll make you free. Praise God. And you know, so much of the devil's tactics, I'll close with that. I remember when I was a kid growing up, I, um, I don't know, I was probably 10, 11 years old. Um, 
uh, trainer, that's where I was raised, um, they, um, they put in a golf course and a swimming pool, tennis court, some other stuff, you know, and it was just awesome. And man, I lived in that pool. It's a wonder dude that I didn't grow fins. I mean, I was there all the time. And I can remember as a little kid, you know, the big deal was, is, you know, you know, you get in the water, you're doing all your thing, but there's these two diving boards down on the other end in the deep water, you know, and people are, you know, doing that and you're, you're thinking to yourself, I want to do that. But what is it? Fear and intimidation, stuff you don't know. You know, I remember, you know, even jumping off the low board. I mean, it's, it's a meter, one, you know, three feet. But, I mean, it seems so ominous until you jump off. And then, man, it's just, and you're jumping off of it to be too bad. But then there's this other one, this three-meter board. Yeah. And it seems to me like people are having fun jumping off that, too. But, dude, you climb up there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, you got a death grip on the ladder because, my God, we might fall off. And then you get up there, and there's this little walk about this wide and we're going to go out there and we're going to jump off. And I tell you, in a lot of ways, this is really a, a, a real analogy to the Christian walk is, is that people, you know, the devil's telling them they can't, you, you know, intimidation, fear, you know, and you're out there and pretty soon, you know, you get to a certain point and the railing stops, huh? And then there's about, I don't know, three, four or five more steps left. And you get out there, you know, and you're staring at the water, and all of your friends are going, jump, man, come on, jump, you know? It's not, you know, maybe they've already, you know, took the plunge, whatever, but you haven't. And so, you know, you finally work up enough nerve and you jump off. And you say, hey, man, that wasn't bad at all. That's the way it is with a Christian life in a lot of ways, dude. We're, we're, we're victors. We're winners, and what do you do? You start. And, and I remember, you know, as we grew older, then it wasn't just jumping off. Then we had to do, you know, certain kinds of dives like, you know, inwards and gainers and, you know, one and a half. It's one thing to do one somersault. It's another to do one and a half. Because if you don't get a full half turn in, dude, and I'm telling you what, it's painful. We'd wear sweatshirts, you know. To, I mean, it was painful, you know, if you didn't land right. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But I tell you what, there's nothing as glorious as actually getting it figured out. Are you listening to me? And then you get to enjoy it. That's the same way with the Christian life. There's so much that God wants people to enjoy, man. Just do it. Glory to God. I remember the first time I did a gainer, man. I mean, I was like giddy. You say, what's that? That's where you go off forward, but you somersault backward, you know? I was just giddy. And then we would do these inward one and a halves. It's, it's one thing to do, another, again, it's, it's one thing on a three-meter board to do a, 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 an inward one. But again, the half. Because if you don't get the rotation, guess what? Your face is going to meet. Yeah. And the law of physics says that two masses can't occupy the same place at one time. And so it's painful. And then you're reluctant to try it anymore. And that's the way a lot of Christians are too. Well, you know, that was kind of painful. I don't, I don't know if I want to believe God anymore. I don't know if I want to risk. I don't know if I want to, you know, trust. God wants you to jump out there, baby. Go for it. You can do it. You can make it. Amen. You know, and, that, and it's really true. I mean, life, as we go down the road of life and this journey that we're we're in and on, you know, the road that we're on. I mean, there's going to be things. We're going to screw things up. 
you know? I mean, but keep doing it till you get it right. How many of you think you can do that? Everybody say it together. I have his power. Yeah, why don't you stand with me? We need to stop here. Hallelujah. Keep planting the seed, you guys. Planting the seed, meditating in the word. Give yourself to it. Hallelujah. You know, take time and make it a priority. You know, we just, we just don't. Well, yeah, I know I should. Pastor had a good message last night. Well, don't do that. Praise God. Just say, no, nah, uh, here's the time. This is what we're doing. And I'm just going to meditate on the word of God and think about what it is that he said. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you again tonight for this uh, time that we've had together. God, I just, I know that these are great seeds that have been planted in people's hearts. And Father God, I pray that you'll help us to expedite, uh, to appropriate what it is that you've said. We thank you for what it is that you promised. We thank you for the place and the position that you've put us in, Father, as victors, not victims. And I thank you, Father God, for every person here tonight, even those that are watching online. That God, if there's a struggle, if there's an area in their life, Father, that they've had difficulty in or they just don't seem to be able to overcome, Father God, I thank you for driving them, moving them, ushering them into the place where it is written, into the Word of God that gives them what it is that they need to recognize, Father God, that they've been set free. And I just thank you, Father, for your blessing here tonight every heart, every life, every home. Thank you, Father God, for making them strong in you and in the power of your might. Thank you, Lord, for strong families, for strong marriages, for strong people, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for making them everything that you intended them to be. Thank you, Lord, for helping them to realize that they can, in fact, do all things through Christ who strengthens them. And so, Father God, I just thank you for your blessing tonight. Bless this word to our hearts, and we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Did y'all get something out of tonight?